Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be discussing how our life force is both energy and information. Therefore, issues which seem purely physical are directly connected to aspects of our personal lives, careers, relationships, and whatever else we might be manifesting. We have the universe inside us, and the wisdom of all that is, not only at, but in, our fingertips. Akasha, also known as prana or chi, is both energy and information. While it is the life force, the fire, which we use to power and nourish our existence in this embodied life, it is also the means by which our higher self communicates with us, while at the same time, the experiences which transform us are transmitted to our soul books and beyond into the strata of all universal being. This is not a metaphor, but a physical reality on which Reiki, acupuncture, shiatsu, and various other proven effective healing practices are based. Akasha moves through us physically, in a manner not unlike blood, mapping our entire body in a network of lines, which can be accessed at various points. When a point becomes stuck or blocked, it not only causes physical symptoms, but reflects blockages in other aspects of our lives. This is in part because Akasha is not just a nutrient or component of our physical system, but information. It allows us to bring ourselves into form, helping us to constantly and consistently manifest our physical form, which is fully integrated with our soul, mind, emotions, and so reflects them in all their complexity. It also gives us the ability to manifest things beyond ourselves into being, bringing in ideas, practices, products, art, and so on from seemingly nowhere but our mysterious inner self. Thus, Akasha blockages cannot be merely physical issues, but because they are made of information, whether it be something which is stuck, lacking, or actively avoided, they are directly connected to our thoughts, emotions, actions, and intentions in life. Universal Akasha, or that which is coming from outside of embodied existence, travels from our higher self, the portion of our soul which remains in the Akashics, through the crown of our head and down through our body, moving out either through our perineum if we're sitting down, or through the bottoms of our feet if we're standing. Earth energy, or akasha, which has been fully manifested into the world, enters into us through our feet, or perineum, carrying all of our experiences, our transformations, insights, and becoming back home. While akasha flows, moving in both directions simultaneously, It doesn't flow like water from a faucet or a river moving through us unimpeded or untouched. We are both informed and informer, not just allowing but also participating with this energy in the formation process as it moves through our body. 
this Akashic route is mapped in a variety of ways. Chinese medicine delves deeply into how the body and soul communicate via Akasha. Ayurveda supports Akashic expression within and through the body in all its variety and complexity. But for the layman, there are two primary systems which describe our relationship with Akasha. The chakras of Hinduism, which details how we are informed, and the tree of life in Kabbalah, which explores the process of manifestation and experience. The seven primary chakras are the means by which we express ourselves into physical embodiment. The crown chakra is the gate through which raw Akashic energy enters us. The third eye, or sixth chakra, processes this into knowledge, thought, and even wisdom, which can be used to understand and navigate the world. The throat, or fifth chakra, allows us to communicate what we are, what we are not, and what we know. The fourth allows us to feel a connection, or not, with everything around us. The third chakra allows us to recognize our divinity made manifest in both time and physical space. It is our center in every sense of the word. The second chakra gives us the ability to directly connect who and what we are with unique individuals. It is the place where we value others for their suchness and are valued in return, becoming problematic when we aren't. And the root chakra is how we connect directly and physically with embodied reality, most often experienced as practical matters of survival, such as having enough food to eat, shelter, clothes, and so on. It's important to remember Akasha flows in both directions at the same time, which makes the workings of these energy centers complex. While they are actively doing everything I just described— which is the universal or downward flow, they are also receiving Akasha from the manifested world, or what we think of as response or circumstance. Akasha flows into us from the office we work in, the place we live, from our car or public transportation. This is what we think of when someone asks if we feel supported. If our situation or circumstances are congenial, when we have good connection, the Akasha flows and is good for us, and our chakras transform into universal wisdom. If we feel connected and loved and or accepted by our significant other, our co-workers, our boss, our family, our community, then our first and second chakras are nourished and flourish. If we feel our work or what we do in life is connected with our higher purpose, we may note our third chakra glows with health and well-being. If we are heard and supported in expressing ourselves, our soul sings in fifth chakra, our third eye is able to see beyond the self and achieve clarity of vision in how the world works, and why. Which knowledge then flows forth from us in forms beneficial to ourselves, the world around us, and the greater universe. The Sephirot of Kabbalah's Tree of Life are how we utilize the Akashic flow to manifest our desires and our purpose into the embodied world. They are therefore intimately linked with the chakra system, overlapping it at points, 
but operate differently, much like blood in the circulatory system runs in the same areas and general paths as lymph. The Sephirot describe how, through our thoughts, emotions, and actions, we transmute Akasha into embodied form and release it into the world. They also show how the embodied world, the ongoing manifestation of everything and everyone, affects our thoughts, emotions, and actions. The process is separated out into three strands or columns, which describe what is an entwinement or braiding process within ourselves. Universal Akasha flows from our higher self into our awareness through Keter. It is then sorted into unboundaried potential on the left in Hokmar, and choice in Banar on the right. Combining these two, everything on the left and there can be only one on the right, creates probability, which is the perception of wisdom or how what we want interconnects with the real world. This wisdom then emerges in Da'at. What we then choose to create in Da'at moves into Hesed, where we are open to what the world has to offer on the left, and Geberah, where we set boundaries on what is best practice for the project, the situation, and possibly even ourselves on the right. All of which creates our sense of self both of and beyond the world we live in. From this sense of self, we move to Netzach, where we choose who we will stand with in our lives, and into Hod, where we choose how we will stand with them. These are the choices we make on whether we will walk in our parents' footsteps, follow the advice of others, work the practical job rather than do what we desire most, give up what we want for love, try to earn the love of others, or go on our own way regardless of the consequences. All of which funnels into our sense of self as experienced in interconnection with another in the Sephira Yuzod. This is most often a significant other, but can also be a best friend, a teacher, a boss, or some other relevant figure who we allow to know us directly and intimately. This final product flows from us out into the world, becoming no longer us, but the narrative of who we have been as compared to who we are now. The future is constantly in a process of becoming. These three columns, the left which is open, receptive, active with what could be, and rejoices in interaction, the right which defines, decides, rejects, and produces, and the center which blends them both into what we think of as life and living, work similarly to the chakras in that Akashic energy flows through them in both directions. The downward manifestation direction is called the lightning path, and the upward direction is called the path of the serpent. This is in reference to the biblical description of man gaining the knowledge of good and evil. Studying the Sephirot from bottom to top is thought to grant students the wisdom contained in the Tree of Life, which was denied Adam and Eve after the fall. All of which can get very esoteric and seem great for meditation, 
but have very little to do with regular life. Until you remember both these systems are describing our physical nature, not spiritual concepts or philosophies. What I've described is going on within your body right this moment. You can feel this by pressing your hands to the space just below your ribs, which we refer to as the tummy, to your heart, to your forehead, or even the space between your hips. When you do, there is not only a physical response, but an emotional one, which triggers a change in how or what you are concentrating on in this moment. Holding your hands there can even make it difficult for you to continue listening to this podcast. It can pull you into things which are, literally, more pressing. Removing your hands will bring you gently back to where you were with a slight difference. You'll feel a bit more energized. So if this is going on in our bodies every moment of every day, then what we are doing with our bodies matters. Not in the eat right and move more way, which is so tritely espoused by the medical and self-help industries, but because what you're doing with your body reflects and affects how and what you're manifesting in the world, and how it's manifesting you. The most common way people experience this is in the difference between the left and right side of their bodies. The right side is what we put into the world. All the choices, decisions, work product, errands, honeydews, and so on. This side of our body is generally the strongest, most competent, and most overworked. The left side is where we're receptive, interconnected with, and supported by the world. It's where we get positive reinforcements, the synchronicities which show us we're on track, and the positive rewards for a job well done. This, of course, is the side where we are weakest, which we don't rely on, use only to steady things or hold things when our other hand is busy, and so on. Yes, some people are left-handed, and some are ambidextrous. This shows not only in how they operate their bodies, but also how they interact with the world around them. Left-handed people tend to live through experienced intelligence and wisdom, but not with logic statistics, or fully fleshed-out plans. They are just as smart as anyone else, but they go with experience first and figuring out the why later. Ambidextrous people tend to be balanced in both their abilities and their troubles. It's not that they are perfect, more enlightened, or even better than anyone else. They are simply balanced so are fully available both within and without to interact whether life hands them lemons or love. What this highlights is the relationship we have with our body influences more than we think it does. Our habit of carrying our purse only on our right shoulder means everything we carry with us is being limited, boundaried, and productive, while at the same time we are valuing what we do over what we are or what we receive. When we carry a wallet in our left pocket, this not only influences how we perceive our actions, as in service to our family, but also pushes our left hip out of alignment, so our ability to respond well when things shift under our feet is impaired. How we stand in line at the supermarket, how we sit at work, 
how we bend to pick up something, all affect not only our day-to-day lives, but how we perceive the world and how it perceives us. While artists are known for seeing the world differently, those who dance, practice martial arts, or have a regular yoga practice experience the world in unique ways as well. This is in part because of how they use their bodies. Not only do they consistently use their body's full range of motion, but they seek to move it into a state of perfection from moment to moment. They work towards a relationship with themselves which is as rich and nuanced physically as the one they have with their own thoughts, and in the process open up to emotional health and awareness. Each of us can enter into this type of conscious relationship with our bodies through simple things in our daily routine, like noticing if you bend from the waist or with your knees when you have to pick something up off the floor. Once you're aware, choose to do it the other way the next time. Carry your wallet or purse on the other side. Don't worry about noticing anything different like some mental exercise. You'll notice the difference right away. It changes your balance, feels awkward, points out where you have weaker muscles, stiffness, tightness, or the inability to flex. Allow yourself to shift back, but be persistent. It's only with repetition that things begin to truly change. The changes might be swift and can be noticed by those looking for synchronicities in life, but more often are gradual. Something else you can do is work on becoming ambidextrous, or in yoga terms, work both sides evenly and equally. For example, I pay attention to how much I favor my right leg versus my left. I'm strong on my right leg from years of doing things to the right. I tend to use it getting up from the floor, to hold me steady when I'm lowering down into lotus, when I'm stepping down from a height, getting up on a ladder, and so on. This favors the part of me which is practical, grounded, proactive, decisive, and a killjoy. It sets me up for overworking even on my days off because it has no concept of work-life balance. In fact, it's balanced in favor of work. To change this, I now pay conscious attention to how I'm going to do any of these things before I do them, and make sure I do them as often with the left as the right. This has led to some awkward moments logistically, some hilarious situations, and not a few self-revelations. Remembering legs not only are the foundations we stand on, but the foundations of self, and lead up to second chakra where self-worth resides, gives you an idea of what energy moves when you do even these simple things. You can also work with this in the other direction. If you're struggling with an issue of some kind, You can look at where things are out of balance, then move the appropriate body part to start bringing in the balance. Not to be silly, but if you're having difficulties with money, you might try moving your moneymaker. Shake your hips, do some toe touches, get on the floor and roll like a ball with your knees up to your chest, and so on. If you're having relationship difficulties, do some exercises with your left arm. Flex your hand. Fully rotate your arm at the shoulder. Stretch your shoulder down and back to make space. Use a squeeze ball to release tension 
and build strength in the muscles. If you have questions about whether or not you're on your path, do abdominal exercises, which bend you in the middle, turn you side to side, really work your core. Having difficulty deciding something? You might not need to get clarity, but get a different perspective. You can do yoga poses which turn you upside down, put your butt against the wall with your feet in the air, or just do something as seemingly random as taking a pad and paper with you into the bathtub, no water please, and just sit there to consider the problem in a completely different venue. We have the universe inside us and the wisdom of all that is not only at, but in our fingertips. We are manifesting marvels, which do as much to get in our own way as to help us on it. Creating a non-antagonistic relationship with our body gives us access to our embodied spiritual nature with which we can move mountains. So, what's your next move? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be expanding our explorations of the Akashics by taking a tour of the Lotus Pools. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.